0: to preach the Word of God. I promise you, I don't take it lightly. The Lord blessed me to pastor for three years. It was a great experience for me, and God led me back to Hot Springs. Thankful to be here. Thankful that I can support my pastor, amen? Amen. And in Psalm 32 today, we're going to look at the name of the uh, outline there is Count Your Blessings. We're going to be looking at that today. And I actually, I'm going to need some help. I need a bulletin. The bulletin I have is not correct. So would someone give me a bulletin? That would be great, Miss Sonia. Now, y'all need, to, y'all need to pray. I get all the points right. Amen? I think I got them memorized. Amen? This thing's supposed to be filled out. That's okay. We'll, we'll get through it. I'm still learning how to use these outlines. Praise the Lord. Psalm chapter 32. We're going to look at the first seven verses here. David Begins to describe what it means to be blessed. What it means today to be blessed. Because the world's definition of that and God's definition of that are quite different. So today we're going to look at the first seven verses. And I want to encourage you as we get into the message today, church, to count your blessings. To examine your life today and ask yourself, am I truly a blessed person? To examine your life today and ask yourself, despite your circumstances or your carnal situations today, am I, would God consider me a blessed person? Psalm chapter 32, verse 1, the Bible says this, Blessed is he who transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity and in whose spirit there is no guile. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer, Selah. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, David said, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said, I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou, praise God, forgavest the iniquity of my sin. For this shall every one that is godly pray unto thee in a time when thou mayest be found. Surely in the floods of great waters they shall not come nigh unto him. And then verse seven says, "Thou art my hiding place; thou shalt preserve me from trouble. Thou shalt compass me about with songs of deliverance." Selah. Here in chapter thirty-two, we'll. A short foundation for the message. David is reflecting on his own life and declaring that he's a blessed man. He describes what it means to be blessed. Now, let me start by saying this. I mentioned it earlier. There's a big difference between what the world says is blessed and what God says is blessed. Amen? The foundation for the message is this today. There's just a big difference between what God defines blessed And the world, the world that we live in today, the culture that we live in today, tends to connect being blessed with earthly achievement, with material possessions. It tends to connect being blessed today with one who has been given a certain gift or talent. I love sports. I grew up, uh, and I'm a basketball nut. I love the the game of basketball. I I grew up uh, admiring uh, players like Michael Jordan, who I still consider... Maybe the greatest player of all time. I'm not sure about his character, but I know he's a great basketball player. And I heard people say, he's blessed. Boy, look at him play. Boy, he's blessed. He's he's gifted. So we tend to connect the carnal to being blessed. But God says something different, doesn't he? If you go to Matthew chapter 5, real quickly... The Sermon on the Mount, let's see what God says being blessed is. If you want to turn there in verse 3, Jesus preaching the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, Rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted the prophets which were before you. David says, Blessed is the man whose transgressions are forgiven and whose sin is covered. You see, God's definition of being blessed is quite different. It's quite different. Your first foundational thought today, and we'll jump into the message, is this. According to the Bible, being blessed has absolutely nothing to do with the carnal but everything to do with the spiritual. Everything to do with the spiritual. The second foundational thought is this. We are ultimately considered being blessed or considered blessed not by the things we have. Is that what I've got up there? I can't even read that, amen? But by who we know. And learning to delight in God's word. That's in Psalm chapter 1. What are you saying, Brother Butch? I'm saying this morning we need to examine our life and ask God, are we really blessed? My first thought uh, as we look at these passages is how important it is for God's people to stay focused on the spiritual. Amen? Just to stay focused on the spiritual. I I, I think that's the, the first thing David's trying to get us to do here. Being blessed is is really about the spiritual. You say, what are you trying to say, Brother Butch? What I'm trying to say is this. Hey, you can be the richest man in hot springs. You can have all the nice things this world has to offer. The nicest home, the nicest car. Hey, listen to me this morning. You can have it all material-wise, carnal-wise, but if you do not know Jesus, you're not blessed. By the same token, you can be the poorest man in town with nothing this world has to offer. But if your transgressions have been forgiven, if your sin is covered, David says you're blessed. You're blessed. You see, what's crept into the church today is, is way too many of God's people today look at their life, I know because I've counseled them, and they wonder what's wrong with their life because they don't have this or they don't have that or this is missing, and most of the time, it's carnality. We would do good, church, listen to me this morning, if we would just take inventory every day, those of us who know we're saved, and realize the fact that if I know Jesus, no matter what's going on in my life, I am blessed today. I'm thankful today that over 40 years ago, I'm thankful, I've got a lot of blessings in my life. I got a lot of blessings. I got a great wife, four wonderful kids, two grandbabies that were with me this weekend. It was intense at my house this weekend. Amen. I had a I had a three year old and a one year old, and my wife, I think, scheduled to work on purpose. Amen? So it was exciting. Emmy don't like to sleep. Emmy likes to stay up till twelve, one o'clock in the morning. I don't know what I don't know what all that's about. So it was exciting. I look at the blessings in my life. I I look at the job God's given me, the church God's given me to serve in. I I look at these are all blessings in my life. I'm thankful for health God's given me up to this point in my life. I can say that God's blessed my health so uh, miraculously. Church, I'm telling you, I've got a lot of of blessings in my life today, but I want you to know, church, gospel-like, hey, the reason I'm blessed, the reason today I consider myself a blessed man is over 40 years ago, a man gave me the gospel, and the reason I'm blessed today is because Brother Butch's transgressions have been forgiven. Hey, my sin has been covered. Hey, God has forgiven me of my sin and it does me well today to learn to get up each day, take spiritual inventory, forget about the carnal, and realize today that I, no matter what else is going on in my life, am a blessed man. Some of you are like that too. You're blessed. You're blessed. Why? You may have a lot of good things in your life, but the reason you're blessed is because God saved you. Because God saved you. Today we arrive in chapter 32. And I just want you to know, church, if you know you're saved, you're blessed. No matter what's going on in your life, if you're saved, you're blessed. Maybe you're here today and you're like me, there's some pain in your life. Today after church, I'll drive to Pine Bluff to drug rehab to visit my son. And there was a time in my life that discouraged me. Well, I'm still concerned, I can say God's grown me past that. No matter what's going on, I'm still blessed. Maybe you're here today and you're not well physically. Maybe you're here today and you're under financial burdens and you've let them overshadow your relationship with God. Maybe you're here today and you're in the valley. You're just broken. Man, you're, hey, you're just down. A lot of God's people like that today. Maybe you've just forgotten about the fact that Jesus saved you and you're blessed. I believe David reminds us of that very vividly in this passage. Your first point today is this. There is blessing in salvation. There's blessing in salvation. The fourfold blessing is this. Your transgressions are forgiven. He gives us this in the verses. Your sin is covered. Your forgiven sin, he says in in, in verse Two, blessed is the man whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity. That's saying your forgiven sin is no longer held against you or charged against you. And your spirit is cleansed of deceit. It says in whose spirit there is no guile. So let's just take a moment this morning and, and realize that there's blessing in salvation. Hey, it's a blessing to be saved. Amen, church? Hey, I'm thankful today. Hey, that the blood of Jesus cleanses me from my sin. And I'm thankful today that at Gospel Light Baptist Church, hey, we talked about it in small group this morning, hey, that we still go to a church that is doctrinally pure. Hey, the blood of Christ is the only way to heaven. It's no other way. Our preacher gets up here and he still preaches about heaven and hell and the reality of eternity. He still preaches that there was blood shed on Calvary. And the only way to go to heaven, the only way to the Father is by the blood of Jesus. And today I say I'm blessed today because I'm saved. I'm blessed today because I know truth. David, a man who achieved great success, we're talking about David here, a man who had achieved great success, who had defeated the giant Goliath, who had risen from shepherd boy to king, declares that being blessed has nothing to do with his achievements, nothing to do with what God, God had used him to accomplish. No, but he said, I'm blessed because my transgressions have been forgiven, my sin is covered. Listen, Christian, we get too used to the fact that God forgave my sin. We get over it, amen? When it would do us good and it does me good to get up and say, Lord, thank you for forgiving me of my sin. Thank you, God, for removing the stain of sin from my life. Thank you, God, for holiness and purity. Thank you for the blood of Of Jesus, David said, whose sin is covered, making reference to the Old Testament in his day when the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies. One man, one day a year, could only go in there. And if he wasn't right with God, God would kill him. And he would go in there, and there was a lot of stuff in there. There's a message there. But there was one thing in there that I've studied, and that's a mercy seat. Brother Kim, the mercy seat was in there. And that high priest, David said, my sin is covered. What David was referring to there is is that high priest would pour that blood out, that perfect sacrifice, that perfect lamb. Amen? The perfect lamb. Back in Old Testament days, that perfect sacrifice had to be a male of the eighth day. had to be without blemish. And he would pour that blood on that mercy seat. And if you study history, the Bible tells us it was a lot of blood. He would pour it over that mercy seat. And what I'm saying this morning, David, recognize when you get that blood, church, hey, when you get that blood between your sin and God, God says, I've forgiven you. I've forgiven you of your sin. I've forgiven you of your transgressions. I've covered your sin. God sees his son's blood and not my sin. And I say, hallelujah. With all of his achievements, David realized that that was what being blessed was. It was his sin being removed, covered, forgiven. Some of y'all need to go back to celebrating the fact that you've been forgiven of your sin. Too many of God's people down today. Too many of God's people discouraged today. Too many of God's people today, hey, just, just a little off kilter. And I wonder sometimes, and I've been there myself. God, help me to never forget what you've done for me. Help me to never forget the weight of my sin and your forgiveness. It's blessing in salvation, church. You may have a lot going on today. You may be discouraged. You may be broken. But if you're saved, you can still say, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. David was thankful he didn't have to pay for his sin. Aren't you thankful for that? David was thankful that God had opened his eyes spiritually and the Bible says that he was no longer deceived. It says there was no guile in his spirit. There was no guile. That word guile means deception. It means deception. And in whose spirit there is no guile. Guile. David was saying there, there's no more deception. You see, the devil deceives people. Amen? John chapter 8 is a great chapter to learn about that. The devil is a liar and a deceiver. And there's people in our church today sitting here right now thinking, I'm okay. Hey, that's the devil lying to you. You listen to me. He does not want you to get saved. He'll let you go to church every Sunday and deceive you and deceive you. But David said, hey, I used to be like that. But now that I'm born again, I'm not deceived anymore. Hey, there's no guile anymore. I see clearly now. You see, when you get saved, God opens up your eyes spiritually. God says, I give you spiritual vision for the first time. You can see things clearly. We ought to shout hallelujah about that. I can see clearly now. I know what God's done for me. I see clearly David said, no, no guile in my spirit. No more guile in my spirit. Oh, there's blessing in salvation. I declare this morning that I too have been blessed with salvation. I'm thankful today that God saved me. But God commendeth in Romans 5, 8. God commendeth his love towards us. Listen to this, Christian. In that while we were yet sinners, hey, right in the middle of my sin, right in the middle of my lethargy, right in the middle of my mixed emotions or my discouragement as a pastor, right in the middle of the facts and the times when I was unenthused about the blood of Jesus, God said, that's when I saved you, right in the middle of your sin. When you didn't deserve it, that's when I loved you. That's when I saved you. God, help us to realize today that being saved is being blessed. Blessing and salvation. David knew there would be times he would struggle. Well, if you study the life of David, there's some heartache there. David knew there would be times he would doubt. I knew there would be times I would struggle. I knew there would be times I would want to throw in the towel. We've heard our own pastor, who I admire more than any pastor in the world, say there was times he thought about throwing in the towel. But what happens is this. If you're really saved, you just start thinking about that day God saved you again. You just realize Man, I can't throw the towel in. I'm a child of God. Hey, I can't give up. I'm saved. I can't stay this way. I'm born again. My transgressions have been forgiven. My sin has been covered. I got to get out of this. Hey, I got to stay faithful. I got to keep going. It's a blessing to be saved. The world needs to see that in our life. My sin, he said, is not charged against me anymore. They're gone. See, God has the ability not only to forgive, but He has the ability to forget. I love that. We can't do that. We forgive as scriptural. Preachers taught us about forgiveness and the the significance. But we have trouble forgetting. But God says, I forgive you, and I forget them. They're not imputed anymore. That word means they're not charged against you no more, Brother Kim. Hey, I don't even hold them against you anymore. God's not an Indian giver, amen? God forgives them, they're gone. Hallelujah for that. Hallelujah for the cross. Hallelujah for the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah for the blessing it is to be a Christian. Blessing and salvation. Number two. How are we doing? 1120? What time does he normally stop? Amen, I forget, 11.40. They gave me a little time sheet. You know what I love about our time sheet, schedule of service? It's got like 11.05, start preaching. 11.38, stop. Where'd that come from, 11.38? Amen. Point number two, amen, point number two. There is blessing in proclamation. There is blessing in proclamation. Look at verses Look at verses 3 and 4. David said there's blessing in salvation. Then he said this. When I kept silence, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. In this chapter, David is reminded of the times in his life when he was away from God. And if we're all honest in here today as a church body, we've all been there. Amen? Amen. No one in here can say, I've always been strongly connected. There's never been a day when I hadn't been close to God. Hey, we're salvation. Relationship never changes, but fellowship changes. Fellowship changes. There's been times in my life when I've not been close. And God teaches us that. David had times in his life when he had fallen into sin, he The Bible says he had kept silent. His bones had waxed old. He was drying up. David said, hey, it was like the drought of summer. He had kept silent. He had stopped proclaiming God's good news and his goodness. He had stopped celebrating God's salvation. There were times the Bible teaches that he withdrew because of his unconfessed sin, because of times in his life That he had turned against what God had taught him. The times in his life that he had disobeyed God. There were times he would withdraw into silence. The Bible says his moisture, his refreshing had turned into a drought. David was empty. You ever been empty as a Christian? Dry? Unenthused? What's going on? But this day, David says, I'm all dried up. David, a man that could remember times in his life as a shepherd boy. Hey, singing, no doubt, if you read the psalm, David was musically gifted. Singing as a shepherd boy, preaching, proclaiming God's love, and spiritual power was revel- relevant in his life many, many times as he defeated the great giant Goliath. David knew what it was to have the power of God on his life, to have spiritual energy and refreshing. But on this day, he's all dried up. No energy. No life. Why? Because David had stopped proclaiming God. No proclamation. David said, how did I get dry? How did the moisture go away? Hey, it says, when I kept silent. When I kept silent. On your points there, notice the strong connection between proclamation and life. And then the second one there, Brother Ken, is proclamation will give your spirit energy, I believe is correct, and refresh your soul. There's blessing in proclamation. Hey, there's blessing, church, in saying a word for the Lord. Hey, you know what some of y'all's problem is? Y'all just need to say something about Jesus again. Hey, hallelujah there, Brother Butch. Hey, let me go over that one again. Some of y'all just need to say a word about Jesus again. Hey, if the only times you raise your hand, and I love our worship, the only and I've learned, I, I, God's grown me in this area. I love it. I love our band. I love our songs. I love our worship. Hey, but if the only time you raise your hand and worship God is in the walls of this building, you're missing out. Hey, we got to learn to worship God outside these walls. Hey, somebody's got to learn to go outside these walls and tell this world how good Jesus is. Somebody's got to go outside these walls and tell others that he's reaching out like that song said. Hey, somebody's got to go outside and exalt him, not just in the church, folks, but out there in the world. The reason I'm saved today is not because Brother James Todd was worshiping God in the sanctuary, but it was because he came to me and he gave me the gospel and he was worshiping God with his daily walk, not just on Sunday. We got to proclaim him. We're going to be like David if we don't. If the only time we proclaim God is on Sunday, we're going to dry up. Hey, our moisture is going to turn into the drought of summer. We're going to dry up. We're going, if we keep silent, our bones, he said, are going to wax old because there's blessing and proclamation. There's a strong connection to life and proclamation. I see God's people dying. I see God's people falling by the wayside. Preachers. And maybe it's because the only time they proclaim God is behind a pulpit. God helped me to learn how to proclaim my Savior In my everyday life, some of y'all need to get back to proclamation, saying a word for the Lord. In the last seven days, did you say anything about Jesus? Did you talk to anybody about God? And by the way, church, it's more than verbal. What about our attitude and our disposition at the workplace? What about our character? Hey, what about how we respond? What about loving our enemies? Hey, what about obeying the commandments of God? This stuff ain't easy. Getting saved, hey, is simple. God made the the plan of God for salvation is simple. But I got news for you. You decide to be a disciple, that's going to cost you. That's not easy. Hey, this stuff, you have to do it on purpose, amen? You got to wake up each day and decide, hey, I'm going to proclaim him today. I'm going to proclaim him no matter what's going on in my life. I'm going to say a word for him. David had lost his energy. He was spiritually empty. He was dry. That's what these verses are saying. And it's because he had quit proclaiming God. Some of y'all today need to make a commitment, God. I'm going to, between now and when Jesus comes, I'm going to proclaim you every single day. It'll change the face of our church. We do pretty good in here, Amen. We, we got on worship today. It was good. I loved it, Miss Sonia. It was awesome. I felt the Holy Spirit. But God help me if this is the only time I experience it. God help my neighbors to know that I worship Jesus. God help my neighbors to know that I proclaim him with my spirit and my generosity, and my kindness. Today, we must evaluate our life and examine our heart and ask ourselves, are we proclaiming Jesus with our life? David said, when I quit doing it, I dried up. I dried up. My moisture's turned into the drought of summer. Some of you are here today in our services, but you're dry, you're empty, you're saved, but you're just drying up, and you wonder what's going on. Maybe you've stopped talking about God i got to talk about Him. I find that when I talk about Him, it gives me energy. It gives me life. It gives me stamina. Hey, I would remind you today, church, the reason you were created was to proclaim God. Thou hast created in Revelation, the book we're studying, hast all things created, and for thy pleasure they are created. Is God pleased? That word pleasure is just the root word of that is pleased. Is God pleased with us? We got to proclaim him. Listen to these verses. Revelations 4, I just gave that Deuteronomy 32 3. I will proclaim the name of the Lord and ascribe greatness unto our God. Jeremiah 34, 17, Therefore saith the Lord, You have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty every man to his brother and every man to his neighbor. Psalm 105, the Bible says, "Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. Somebody has got to tell the world that Jesus saves. Amen? We've heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Are we telling the world that? Or are we telling the world we're just really not excited about our Christianity? Psalm one eighteen seventeen 17 says this, I shall not die, listen, but live and declare the works of God. There's life connected to Proclamation. If you're not living today spiritually, if you feel like as a believer you're dry and empty, hey, if you're out of touch, hey, if you need some energy, then take some time this week to proclaim Jesus. Say a word about Him verbally and also with your life. We've got to learn to proclaim Him again so we get our life back. We get our life back. Church, we're going to dry up if we don't proclaim Him. We'll die. We'll die if we don't proclaim him. David said he was dying. If we don't learn to proclaim him every day, we'll dry up. My encouragement to you is on the good days, proclaim him and on the bad days, proclaim him even louder. Amen. I told y'all about my son, Garrett. Y'all pray for him. He's in covenant recovery at drug rehab. I've shared and he's given me his blessing. I don't normally share everything, but he's given me his blessing just to share with y'all his testimony of falling into drug addiction. And I'll be honest with you, there were times when I was pastoring, I was discouraged. I was depressed. I said, God, why my son? Why me? Why me, God? And you know what happened? I quit proclaiming him. I was defeated. I I was distressed. I was burdened for my oldest son. I was in pain. Some of you are in pain today. And the praise of God has left your lips. The proclamation is gone. It was gone in my life. My negative circumstances took away my proclamation but when it did, it took away my life. I've had to learn how to praise God in my pain. I've had to learn how to proclaim Him in my pain. God has taught me over the last six years, and we're not out of the woods yet, but to proclaim Him in my pain. You see, that I've discovered is the key to this thing because everyone in this room is going to have pain at times. Some of you have experienced what we're going through. Everyone in this church is going to have times of suffering. God guarantees it. Amen. He said, I'll strengthen you and establish you and settle you after you've suffered a while. Strengthening and establishing comes after suffering. And I resisted my sufferings. I didn't want to take them on. I pushed back. No, God, not my son. I quit proclaiming Him, even as a preacher standing behind a pulpit. Oh, I may have preached the Word of God, but I wasn't proclaiming Him. There's a difference. Anybody can get up and preach or read a verse or or say a word. Proclamation is real. It's something you do seven days a week. And that was not going on in my life. In my pain, I had lost my energy for God. David had committed great sin with Bathsheba. He had an illegitimate son who had died. He prayed and fasted for seven days. God saved my child, but God decided not to. And David dried up. If you study 2 Samuel 12 and 13, you find that there was about a year in David's life when he was dry. King David, he was empty. He was dry. But it was only when David started proclaiming God again that he regained his stamina, his spiritual energy, hey, his life. When I proclaim him, I love what Charles Spurgeon said. Hey, when I proclaim, he said this: when I proclaim him in the good days, it brings me joy. But when I proclaim him in the bad days of my life, it brings me power. It's interesting when you have a child going that direction but you start proclaiming God I've had more spiritual liberty in my life than I've ever thought of having when I finally told God I know you're in charge God I know you knew this would happen God I'm just going to place him in your hands I'm going to trust you some of y'all need to proclaim him again in your pain some of y'all are here today and you're in pain you're suffering maybe we don't even know it but inside you're hurting and it's been a while since you proclaim God I would encourage you today in your pain to proclaim God in your pain in your suffering today to say God is good you see I learned a long time ago and through this experience my circumstances are not any kind of barometer on God's goodness My negative circumstances are not a factor when it comes to God's holiness. It doesn't change a thing about God. God's holy. God's good. God's righteous. And I need to proclaim it when things are right and when things are wrong. Some of y'all need to proclaim him in your pain today. There's blessing in proclamation. Real quickly, we'll go over these last two points. Number three, there's blessing in confession. There's blessing in confession. Look at verses 5 and 6. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, David said, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I told you a long time ago, you can't hide your sin from God. Amen, you can't do it. There's two people you can't hide your sin from, God and I told you, your mama. Amen, you can't hide it from your mommy. You can't do it, you listen to me. I don't know what it is, but your mama will find out. You can get Bible stuff on your dad, but your mama will find out what you've done. You can't hide it from your mama. And you can't hide it from God. David, hey, in this passage, tells us that a blessed man is a man who learns to confess and not only confess, but acknowledge his sin. That means own it. Hey, we just need to own the fact, church, we're sinners saved by grace. Amen? There's nothing that makes me want to upchuck more. Is that, a, is that a kind word? Than someone who acts like they've never sinned. Hey, I'm a sinner saved by grace. I'm an old wretched sinner. My mama used to call me a heathen when I was a little boy. I didn't know what that meant till I got older and started studying the Bible. That means I was lost. That's all that means. She was right. We were heathens. Amen? But God changed all that. Alcoholism. Alcoholism ran on both sides of my family till my mom and daddy got saved. Alcoholism and, and addiction to tobacco ran on both sides of my family till my mama and daddy got saved. And I still struggle with it on the weekends. Hey man, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can we edit that one? I don't want preacher to hear that. God says if I confess it, amen, he'll forgive me. A blessed man is a man, David said, who's saved, who proclaims, and who knows how to confess and own his sin. We need to own our sin, folks, and we need to confess it to God. David references his life when he had committed great sin against God. He had turned his back on the commandments and the precepts that God had taught him. David had lived with unconfessed sin. Hey, God's power was withdrawn from his life. And it wasn't until that sin was confessed, David said he acknowledged it that God forgave him and restored him spiritually. We got to confess our sins, folks. Amen. You say, Well, Brother Butch, you just said God forgave the iniquity of our sin. He did. But since we're still in the flesh, and he didn't save the flesh, amen? Spirit's willing, but what? The flesh is weak. Hey, since he didn't save my flesh, I think it's a good idea, First John teaches, to confess. Confess our sin. Your points there are this. We must learn to confess our sin in detail and not generalize them. Confession of sin keeps our hearts clean and our lives usable for God. We got to confess our sin in detail. We got to name our sin. You don't need to just get on your knees and say, God, forgive me of my sin. No, you might need to get on your knees and say, God, forgive me for being bitter. God, for, hey, you need to name it. God, forgive me for lust. God, forgive me for not being kind. God, forgive me for not praying for my preacher, the sins of omission. God, forgive me for not being excited about Jesus. God, forgive me for that lie, that little white lie I told this week. God, forgive me of my sin and name it. Now, you don't need to name it to me or anything. Father dressed like mother. You need to name it to God. Amen? You need to name it to God. But you need to name it. When he says confess our sin, he's talking about talk about it. And he will forgive you. We need to name our sin in detail to God. God will take a repentant, listen to me church, God will take a repentant broken vessel and put it back together and use it again. But God will never use an unclean vessel, ever. If you have unconfessed sin in your life, you are on the shelf till you get that thing right. I had people all the time come to me when I was a pastor and say, I just don't feel like God's working in my life. I don't feel like I can do anything. And the first thing I would ask them, and I would tell them, you don't have to confess it to me, but is there any unconfessed sin in your life? Because you, you have unconfessed sin in your life, God won't use you. We can't harbor sin and play around with it. Uh, Paul says, be entangled with the affairs of this world and expect everything just to be okay with God. We can't live any way we want to and expect everything to be okay with God. We've got to confess our sin. There's blessing in confession. I, I could give you more, but let's move to number four. I love this one, it's special to me. There's blessing in preservation. There's blessing and preservation. And your points are this, and we'll wrap up our service, our sermon today. He is our hiding place. Brother Ken, if you put that on there, I'm not sure if I got all this. He is our hiding place, which means to cover or conceal when vulnerable, or to protect when weak, and to preserve when under trials. David said there were times I had to go to the hiding place. I've been there. In the last six years, if we dealt with our son's drug addiction, I've spent a lot of time in the hiding place. When I'm weak. The hiding place is exactly what it says. It's where God hides us. I like that. God, when I'm vulnerable, I need you to hide me. I need a place to go where I'm concealed because I'm weak. You see, there's going to be times in your life when you're weak there's going to be times in your life when you're empty. And David said, when you have those times, go to the hiding place. Just let God hide you. When well, my nephew died of cancer at the age of 11, it was the first time I experienced the hiding place. My heart was broke. I loved Christopher. We were close. Again, I, as a young Christian preacher, I doubted, God, why him? Why did this little boy die of cancer? And I remember reading this verse. And for about a month, God hid me. He grew me. He sustained me. It was beautiful. Some of y'all may be at a point right now you're ready to give up when all you need to do is just go to the hiding place and say, God, hide me for a while. God, conceal me for a while while you heal me. Conceal me while you heal me. I told my son last Sunday, and I'll see him in a couple hours. Son, go to the hiding place. Just go hide for a while and spend this time with God. See, it don't matter if it's a drug addict or just an unbeliever. Our only hope's God. Only just between me and a lost person is I'm a saved sinner and they're a lost sinner. Go to the hiding place if you're in pain. Go to the hiding place if you're suffering. Go to the hiding place, David said. David fasted for a week, asking God to spare his son. But God said, no, your son will die. But I'll heal you. I'll heal you. I don't know what's going to happen to my son, but I can tell you this, God's healed me. God's healed me. I still weep and pray but I can honestly say six years into this God's good God's good what about it church are you saved because I got news for you the last little point down there says the bottom line is if you do not know Jesus you're not blessed say brother Butch I'm blessed man I got a good job I got a good family well God says being blessed is having your sin forgiven If you're not saved, you're not blessed. Church, what about you? Do you need to start proclaiming him again? More than just at worship hour? Do you need to walk out of this building today and say, God, I'm going to start proclaiming you every day again. I'm not going to let my circumstances determine my proclamation. Maybe you just need to come and confess some sin. Maybe there's unconfessed sin in your life that's dried you up. Or maybe you just need to come to the hiding place and say, God, hide me. I'm going through things people don't even know about. Lord, would you hide me and protect me and preserve me? I can say God has preserved me in the last six years. God has preserved my marriage. See, that stuff affects everything in the family. I can honestly say God preserved my marriage in this last six years. The hiding place saved me. Saved. What do you need to do today? If you need to make a decision, don't you wait. You come and you do business with God. Gospel Light is a wonderful church. Our small group today, we talked about this. In Revelation 2, the, the John the Apostle said that the church at Ephesus had lost their first love. And I said, you know, I think Gospel Light's got that one right. They love people. They love people. When we leave today, what does your proclamation say? Does your proclamation say, I love you because God loves you? I care about you. I'm going to be generous to you even if you're not to me. I'm going to be kind to you even if you're ugly to me. Or does your proclamation say, well, I go to church, but I live like I want to the rest of the week. God help us to proclaim Him so the world knows it's real. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Count your blessings, church. Count your blessings. Do you need to proclaiming again? Do you need to start proclaiming God again in your life? Do you need to come and get rid of some unconfessed sin? Maybe you just need to go to the hiding place and just say, God, hide me while you heal me. Hide me, God. If God has dealt with you at all, please come today and kneel at this altar and ask God to work in your life. If there's one here today that say, Brother Butch, the fact is, I'm not even sure that I'm saved. You say a man that's blessed is a man that's saved, but the fact is, I'm not even sure if I'm saved. I, I don't remember a time when I asked God to save me. Would you raise your hand? Pray for me, Brother Butch. I'd like to know Jesus, as my personal Savior, pray for me. Just lift your hand up. Please pray for me. Please lift your hand. If that's the case, church, what a about...